now I want to do like a microfiche style research montage where I find out how many murders happen on October 31st as rest of the year. Is there a higher percentage? We need to know. <laughs> I bet there is. Facts. I bet there is. I feel like full moons and like Halloween um, are like big, big murder nights um, because people are out there to be crazy. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices, spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the the final final girl. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry and I have Julia. Yes, here. <laughs> we're Julia. Discuss- and here's Julia. Um, we're discussing uh, 2001's May. Um, what is the tagline, Julia? Disgust me, please. That is well, the title of this episode. Episode. episode yes. And our tagline is if you can't find a friend, make one. This movie is written and directed by Lucky McKee. We were very, very lucky to get to interview Lucky. Uh, we So go back and listen to that interview. Really interesting. He has incredible stories, including some about making this film. So be sure to listen to that. So this Absolutely. is something Terry had never seen this film. Uh, I had seen it a few times. Uh, and I, I, I love how they tip off that they're going to go really hard right in the very, very beginning. Uh, the opening shot is May holding her eye, bloody eye and screaming in the mirror. And you go, yes. This is where we're headed because give it to you me, don't give I, it to me. Yes. Did you, did you have any idea about what this movie was about at all? Did you I know anything about no, it? No, I thought it was about something totally. I had no idea. I made up in my brain that it was like a cheerleading movie. I don't know why, like just based, <laughs> the cover okay. of it. Right. Do you know what I mean though? Like, I don't know why I had it lumped. I was like, I don't know why it's like some like murderous cheerleader movie in my brain. You know, it's like that thing. It's like, what is that? The butterfly effect, I think, or whatever that's called. Where like you see something, you make up like an, and eventually like that Shazam movie or whatever, like there's different things that like people, you know, have spirited into the world. That was one of them for me. So I didn't really understand what that meant, but that's okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> so we, we learned that. May- <laughs> you don't know what that means? <laughs> I, kind of. I don't well, know. Um, dollar effect. Sorry. It's like when someone like says something and they made up something and like eventually everybody thinks it's a real thing. Like the names right, of things okay. or like how things look or like, um, anyway, I, it's okay. It's a, it's a whole phenomenon where we all collectively have a memory of something that actually never happened. Sure. But this is just the the thought of what May was in your head. <laughs> so <this Yeah>. is- <laughs> for me, I made up a whole mythology for it though. So okay. I gotcha. <laughs> so we learned that we, we flash back to May as a child. She had a lazy eye. So she had to wear an eye patch. So we learned that her household growing up is very, very cold. Her mother's very beautiful, but very, very precise. And uh, she gives her a doll, her doll, Susie, who only lives in the glass case, does not come out of the glass case, cannot touch her, but that's going to be her best friend for the rest of her life. 
Yeah, it's pretty devastating. And this mom is very exacting to have a child who is not perfect. You can tell pains her. And she's that type of mother where she tries to hide the child's imperfection any way she can. So because May has to wear an eye patch, you know, little kids are making fun of her, calling her a pirate and whatnot. And her mom's like, well, if you're going to make friends, you need to hide who you are basically and hide what you are. So she has her cover her hair covering her a little eye patch as she heads, hands her off to school and maid takes you know pulls her hair aside like I don't need to hide but then people start making fun of her and right away she realizes that she does and so she covers her face again with her hair um, and kind of slinks into herself and you can tell that she um, is not get properly socialized like she doesn't really make any friends she doesn't find a way to talk with people um, so she's very stilted in how she grows up and kind of suffers from an arrested development because she doesn't really get to, you know, consort with other people. It gives me almost a Carrie White kind of vibes where you have this domineering mother who's trying to mold you into this thing that you maybe aren't and is excluding you from social. You know, I think that her she just but, but but it's interesting that her that her parents kind of disappear from the story. So we, between the time that we see her as a child and when she's grown up, they've they've apparently died or moved away at some point, and she now just lives in the house that they lived in uh, when uh, by herself. So she works at an animal hospital, and we have uh, Anna Ferris who plays Polly, who is the receptionist who just immediately wants to make out with May, you see it on her face immediately. But she also seems like she wants to make out with everybody, which is a kind of a cool personality. <laughs> she's great. She's very slutty. And I'm here for slutty Anna Ferris. It's very cute. And she's like hot for like all kinds of hot girls. And it's very, very cute. Um, and she, you know, I she don't asked know. If she asked if she want to hang out and eat some melons or something, you know? Yeah, you know, like just digging in those melons and, you know, just rub your face in it or whatever. But like um, she, you know, um, you get made that star is starved for attention and she's starved for connection. She's starved for love. She even, you know, says basically that she wants someone she can hold. You know, she wants, um, it, even as a child when she wants to hold the doll, but she can't because it's through glass. So she realizes she has a hard time with connection and connecting to people, but that's all she really seems to want. So she, Jeremy Sisso becomes her dream boy. She seems he's a mechanic from across the way from the hospital who has beautiful hands. So she is, she's in love with him mainly because he has beautiful hands, uh, which, you know, I think is, is sweet in a way, right? There's definitely been people that I've admired for different parts of them and liked, liked that. Uh, but that's going to, this movie is going to take that in a, in a whole different direction. <laughs> Yep, was not ready. But yes, beautiful. She's obsessed with him and like how sweet he seems. Um, and he does seem adorable. He's not like Elton in this movie. He's different than his clueless persona. He's a little more rough around the edges, which is adorable. Um, a little more alterna, I would say, you know, kind of a little more rocker boy about him this time. Um, so he's kind of got a little gothness, a little darkness to him that I think she's also attracted to. Um and so she um, decides like, hey, if I want to attract this guy, like I'm going to get rid of my little glasses and I'm going to get some contacts and get hot. So she like goes through a little may goes through a little mini transformation and gets some contacts. And the doctor's like, yeah, you'll be able to you'll help still do the correction like your glasses do. So she's kind of coming out of her shell from where she was as a child where we saw her at the beginning. 
I, I actually think that a part of that is from Polly is from seeing someone that she's trying to emulate because she is so vivacious and so beautiful and, you know, wearing these kind of pretty clothes. And I think that that's part of what it is for her. So she goes to hang out at a coffee shop where Adam just happens to be uh, and tries to prance in front of him a couple of times and he doesn't notice her at all. And so finally, when he falls asleep with his hand up in the air, she comes and rubs her face on his hand, which is how he wakes up. So it's nice that this relationship isn't immediately him going, Ugh. it's just him being like, hey, how's it going? Like he's just kind of intrigued by it. I feel like I would be so startled to wake up like that. And he seems kind of in- curious. Yeah, I mean, he is curious. He's like, why Why are you right there? A little strange, but also like she's adorable. She made herself a new outfit. Like she sews all of her clothes and stuff. So she had made herself a new little look to kind of prance in front of him. So, you know, she's ready. Um, and uh, they have a little, a little flirting, but she doesn't know what to say because she's very uh, socially awkward and doesn't really say much back to him. Um, but they end up doing laundry uh, next to each other. But before that, um, Anna Ferris has a little moment where they're in the animal hospital and she's not as adept as May is with like scalpels or whatever is needed. And so um, she's asking her for help, trying to translate what the doctor is asking for. And May's like, oh, and um, she cuts herself with her little finger and they share a little like kind of bloodlust moment uh-huh. for a moment. Well, because she sees her, uh, Polly sees May cut herself and she says that she's doing it to relax. Uh, and so then Paul is like, Hey, look, give me a try. And she likes it and tells her to do it again. So you go, okay. I, you know, this movie, you know, it hinges on, uh, may telling people she's strange and people are like, cool. I like that. And then it goes way into way too far strange. And it's interesting that society has that level right? Where most people, you would walk in a room and see someone cutting themselves and you go, oh, please don't do that. What are you doing? What's wrong? And this is like, no, no. Okay. We're going to, we're going to go in that direction. That's, that's not far enough. It doesn't push that far, but there is that level of strange where you go, no, 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 that's too far. And what is like fun, sexy, strange. And what is just no, thank you. Strange. Yeah. Pushing the limits, pushing, constantly playing with the boundaries um, and social norms. So um, we fast forward to laundry later and, um, you know, Adam and May hang out at the laundromat and they kind of form a little connection. He um, invites her out to smoke with her um, and um, she doesn't really smoke, clearly has never smoked a cigarette a day in her life. But all of a sudden she's smoking with him as you do for a cute boy. I remember doing that in the 90s. My gosh. And um and so she's out there smoking with him and um, trying to get better at it. He ends up leaving her the pack of smokes, like basically telling her, you got to practice. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, okay, like, I guess I will. Just if we're going to hang she out does. more. And so she yeah. does. And so the next time they, they meet in the park, uh, they have lunch together and he, she tells him she works at the animal hospital. Uh, he says, disgust me, please. She says she has weird, disgusting stories. And so she gives him a, a really disgusting story. That's way too way too way too far and, and dog guts, it, a big dog gut story just disgusting yeah, just, and, and she's you know as, as you would you know as you're someone when you're in a medical medical profession that kind of thing would wouldn't 
phase you anymore. It's just something that you're looking at it from a particularly medical standpoint. Uh, but he does, he does say that he has to leave because he is going to see an Argento at the New Beverly. So uh, shout out to Dario Argento, always welcome. The New Beverly, uh, you know, if you're going to go there in 19 uh, or 2001, you know you're going get to get in some good time, good a stuff. great double feature, I'm sure. But um, there's also like in the park where they're hanging out, there's also like some daycare kids and there's some blind daycare kids that are hanging out and playing too. And they notice them playing around and um, they talk about that as well. They have a really deep conversation, I think, before he heads off to the movie. Um, but yeah, so she, um, you know, decides that she's going to make a, a new dress and get another even more dolled up and she wants to have a date with him. And so she's she's made up her mind that this is the guy that she wants. Um and so, yeah, so yeah. She, and it seems to be going well. I mean, the, even though he he's you know, I think Adam is intrigued by May, even though she seems to be a little bit off. But it's always that question, like, how off is she though? Like, I mean, she could be a little bit off, but we'll we'll find out. They have a they have a cute date. They're eating chips and salsa in a hollowed out car, and he ends up taking her to see his room, which is a major Argento Argento fan room. And I got to tell you, if there was a boy that looked like Jeremy's sister who took me to his room and it was Argento out like that, I would be like, fuck yeah. Like yeah. a jackpot. And she does too. She She's like, okay, like he's got a horror room. He's got like a little prop knife on the like, you know, on the mantle. And like she grabs a little knife and she's like, oh, it's not real. But oh, but this is fun to play with. And they play around with this little fake knife and um, they have a little moment. And then um, they decide to kiss and they start kissing and making out. But she bites his freaking mouth. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, I'm bleeding. He's like, who taught you how to kiss? And she's like, Susie. And she runs out. We know as an audience that Susie is a freaking doll in glass. And I was like, uh-oh, if Susie's telling you how to kiss people, uh-oh, this is Susie, not going to go Susie well for you. Be, Susie may not be giving you all the, the correct information. No. Uh, so, But then she also is having a little thing with Polly on the side. They have a little moment where they're dancing together in the file room. Uh, and But it, it seems to be that what Polly really wants is, would you mind taking my cat off my hands? You like pussy? Yeah. My yeah. cat. Will you watch my cat? That's what she gets to. So. Yes. Yeah, she's but she's so you can tell she's using what she got to get what she wants. Clearly, so she's trying to get the cat out of there. Maybe the new girl she's dating is like uh, Polly's got a, around her place. Maybe she's allergic or something. But so May decides like, yeah, I guess I'll watch her cat. Sure. Um, but um, in the midst of that, she hasn't really heard back from Adam since their moment, and so she calls him repeatedly, like a psycho, a little bit. Um, and leaves a message for him and she screams in his voicemail and she kind of starts stalking him a little and waits for him at their laundromat that they, you know, share to smoke with. And then she decides to show up at his place unannounced. Um, but doesn't knock on the door right away, actually just stands outside the house waiting for someone to open the door, which he eventually does. Uh, and for hours, mind Mm -hmm. you. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, they end up having some mac and cheese, and she sh- he and shows her, <laughs> yeah, and he uh, he shows her the movie that he made, which is a a couple eating each other in a, a very idyllic picnic like setting, and she says she thinks it was sweet. And again, if a boy showed me a movie like that that he made, I'd be like, yep, mm-hmm, on board. Okay, here we go. This is nice. It's their Jack and Jill pic- Jack and Jill picnic. Yeah, it's a cannibalistic lunch. Um, and she, she, he's like, yeah, no, it's not weird. It's not that weird. She loves it. 
Um, and uh, they start, you know, making out and stuff and they hook up after again, like she bites her tongue and he leaves and she locks up Susie because she's messed up. Um, and so it's, it's not going to go well for, for her, I think. <laughs> no, cause, uh, you know, she rubs her, she rubs his blood all over her and she's, she said, you like weird. And he says, not that weird. And then you go, okay, here's the line. This is what we do. So she goes to his house, waits as here's her, here's him calling her a lunatic and that saying some not very nice things. So she goes over to hang out with Polly in the nighty instead, which seems like a delightful choice. It seems like they're having a good time over there and uh, they're getting starting to get a little bit, a little, little bit kissy. Uh, but then May, as we know, has a thing about perfection, sees this big mole on Polly's finger and starts to get freaked out by it because now she's not perfect anymore. There's something wrong with her. Yeah. Um, and so she's trying to figure out her life now because she's still craving some sort of connection, May is. And so um, even though, you know, things have fallen apart with Adam and then things kind of fell apart with, you know, with Polly in a way. And so she's just not sure. So she goes to volunteer to work at the blind daycare um, that she had, you know, seen the kids from when she was in the park with Adam. And she meets Petey, um, a little girl who's very standoffish. But Petey starts making an ashtray right away because, you um, and she's like, why are you making this ashtray? She's like, oh, because you smoke because she can smell it on May. Um, and May is fascinated with her and they kind of form a bond, um, this little girl. And so, you know, she's going to um, continue that building that relationship. But she um, which should feel you know, I should feel good about her doing that. And I just feel nervous about her doing that. Like, you know, like you feel like, okay, she's going to make some connections and she's going to help some kids and do some good. And I'm like, this is going to go badly. <laughs> this is going to go real badly. Yeah, just based on the example we've got from her mom, how she knows how to deal with kids, it's not really great. And so I feel like it's, yeah, something's going to go wrong or Susie's going to tell her something. Um, May tries to go back to the laundromat to go see if she can find Adam again. And he's gone to a different laundromat now. Polly has another girl at her place when she shows up. And so all the, and May freaks out and gets jealous. Um, so there's, you know, all the things are kind of falling apart. All her connections that she thought she made are not going well. And Susie's glass strangely keeps cracking and breaking. And this is where it does feel very Carrie White. Yeah, totally. Uh, she gets uh, in some sort of manic state where she ends up throwing that ashtray at Polly's cat and kills the cat. So now she's got a dead cat. We have a, a, a scene of her standing in the bathtub with the dead cat at her feet calling Adam and trying to sound really normal. And you go, Oh, and this is, this is bad. This is, <laughs> she's, she's cracking real nice. So she decides that it would be a good idea to bring Susie to class because then, uh, you know, but the kids want to take the doll out of the box because they're blind and they can't, see it unless they take it out of the box and then they can touch it and she's trying to tell them no and of course it goes terribly wrong and ends up with shards of glass all over the floor and children crawling in it pretty gnarly she gets a lot of glass in her eyes so you have all this stuff of her rubbing the glass in her eyes which is yeah, she scratches her eyes out yeah it's pretty bad and then she's also got the decaying cat um in her house and so she um sprays it with lysol and wraps it up and put it puts it in her freezer like you do 
Thank um, you too. I love mm-hmm. James Duvall just breezing into this movie like three quarters of the way through as Blank, who's just awesome. This punk is just like, hey, girl at a bus stop. Hey, you want to get some juju and some, some jujubes? Like he's just a kind of a magoo, like really sweet and kind of dumb, but like so into like enthusiastic. I really, I wish we had more with his character because I think his character is really fun. I know they had to bring him in for body count though. And I was like, oh no. And then he's also got a Frankenstein tattoo on the side yes. of his little arm, which is just adorable, a little Frankenstein head. Um, and he's super fun and charming. Um, and he's trying to like be hot and make out with her and be like, hey, you got some ice cubes for my nipples? I'm hot. I was like, okay, random. But we got to get it. We, he's got to have a random call to the freezer because there's a cat in her freezer, a dead cat wrapped up in her freezer that he's about to discover and he's going to freak out. Yeah, so she stabs him in the uh, forehead with scissors, and that is the end of Blank. He came, he went, he saw. But that Frankenstein tattoo, ah, I might have given her an idea. So now she realizes that she needs some more parts because she's going to make herself a friend since she can't find one in the real life. But everybody she knows has one perfect part, so she can put all those perfect parts together. It will be perfect. So whose parts will she be taking, Terry? Well... She remembered Ambrosia, this girl who was hanging out at Polly's who had nice gams, beautiful legs. And so she's checking out and she's going to scope out those legs. Um, And she also um, is noticing, you know, she remembers her man, Adam, had beautiful hands. So maybe she's going to grab them hands. And uh, so each person's got something that she likes. So, yeah, and 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 you know we have this scene with Polly where she could because May steals all these tools from work, uh, and Polly she has Polly's head back and she has a scalpel against her two scalpels against her throat, and Polly says I, I know you would never hurt me she totally trusts her, uh, but the trust the trust was not worthy because she gets her throat sit really bad, Ambrosia the girl with the legs gets two scalpels in the temples and then Adam blood and milk in this moment though just can we talk about how beautiful that shot is because. The girl comes into the back of the house where Polly's been murdered in the other room, but she doesn't see that. And she's Mm -hmm. just drinking milk out of a carton. But of course, that milk's going to fall on the ground. Then we're going to get some beautiful blood of hers melting into that milk. And it's just stunning. Anyway, great shot, Lucky. Love that part. Yes. So we have a a badass shot. This is Halloween. So uh, she has come over in a costume that she's made where she's dressed like Susie. And she has everybody's body parts in a bloody cooler. And so as she's walking by, somebody says, hey, cool costume. And she's like, thanks. And I think that that's one of the delightful things about Halloween is, and I wish, you know, that, that you could do that right? That that's possible that people would just go, oh, okay, it's a costume because it's Halloween. So actually as a killer, Halloween would be a great day to kill people because you would blend in so much easier. Yeah. That's like in Trick or Treat. They definitely use that like device where they're out at like the festival and stuff like that. And like that girl's like crying by the side of the road and they're like, oh, it's just, you know, it's Halloween. Like it's, she's fine. It's like, no, no, no. That lady's like fully dying. Like, but we can't tell because the blood looks so good or if it looks fake or whatever. So now I want to do like a microfiche style research montage where I find out how many murders happen on October 31st as rest of the year. Is there a higher percentage? We need to know. I, <laughs> These bet, are there important is. I bet there is. I feel like full <laughs> moons and like Halloween um, are like big, big murder nights um, because people are out there to be crazy. Um, but she shows up at Adams with uh, with the cooler. Um, and uh, it's like, oh, it's a, you got a cooler cold ones in there. She's like, oh, yeah, totally rolls it in it's a a bunch of body parts in that cooler um Mm -hmm. 
And uh, he's got a date there and and she's, you know, got nice ears. You notice that Mays noticed the ears and I was like, oh, no, she didn't take yeah. that girl's ears. OK. Um, and she ends up stabbing his date um, to get his hands. He she basically uses her as like a as leverage, like as a hostage. Yeah. So now she has all the parts she needs uh, and sews up her friend. She rearranges her name to name, name it Amy. I like, I will be fair to say that I like that she mixes boy and girl parts because with Frankenstein, it's either one or the other, right? This is just like, okay, this should be the parts I like best from all these people. I'm not entirely sure why she didn't pick somebody's head to be the head because she fashions sort of a cloth thing. I thought it was like Susie's old dress or something because she had like There's Susie's pieces and she had like Susie's like eyes. Yeah. Um, so she realizes she, she starts to talk to, to the doll and realizes that the doll can't see her because it has no eyes. So that is why she has cut out her own eye to give it to the doll and uh, see me as she keeps screaming, see me in this. And that's the whole crux of the movie, isn't it? That she just wants to be seen. Yeah, by somebody. And then all of a sudden, the little doll's hand moves and touches May's sweet little face. And then we're out. And it is chilling as fuck. Yeah. Wow. Yes. It, it, it goes she's... so hard. <laughs> were you not prepared for as hard as it went? I knew it would be hard, but I didn't know, like, how. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know that this was, it was going to be so intense. The murders from this tiny little, she's such a tiny wisp of a little, little person, too. This little May, she's, you know, mm-hmm. maybe 90 pounds. Like, she's just a tiny, tiny person um, doing this brutal, brutal killing. So I just I was kind of floored by, by that. And that was pretty amazing to me. Because, I mean, Angela Bettis gives such an incredible performance because she really doesn't look like someone who would do anything like this, right? She looks so sweet and innocent. And I think to, you know, we comparing her to Carrie White, but Carrie White's fighting people with huge mental telepathy powers, right? This isn't, she has no superpowers. This is just her with a couple of scalpels, but it's her being so sweet that people trust her and would never imagine that they would do something like this. So this is how she gets away with uh, but what happens next? We don't know. This is the, a great place to end with the movie. It could go anywhere from here. Fair to say, uh, May is an awesome movie. So yeah. would you give it a score factor if you'd be so kind? Absolutely. I would love to gore you up. One, not enough blood to fill the Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. If you couldn't already tell, if you're pulling out your eye in the first two minutes of the movie, it's a five. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, if you are going to sew up a person um, out of multiple different body parts that you've uh, chopped off, it's also going to be a five. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots lots of blood. (laughs) Lots of guts. Lots of gores. Yeah. We love it. Uh, Very, very awesome makeup effects in this movie. Let's Mm -hmm. go on to some chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror movie. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastical. I give this movie a five. I think that this movie is incredibly original and gives actors parts that I wouldn't normally think to put them in. And I really enjoy that. I feel like all of the care we get so few characters, but the characters that we do get each get their own little mark. And I think that it's really nice. And I can see why, of course, that this movie came out and people Lucky McKee's got people's attention because I feel that this is a very attention getting film. And I think that it's, it's 
controversial and interesting ways. Um, and I was always uh, delighted to know that uh, Ryan Johnson helped to edit this movie. And that's why they were friends at school. And I think that's so cute when I see his name and I go, yeah, friends helping friends. So friends cool. helping friends. I also give this movie a five and I agree with you, Julia. I think it's just, it's so uh, disarming and beautiful and like just original and scary and just has some really wonderfully human questions, I think, that emerge from this, um, like how we treat others, what otherness feels like, what that can lead to, how people can feel alienated, and just like that sheer need for connection. It's almost going to make me cry thinking about it. It's just, it's a lot. It's really, really beautiful. I love this movie. Um, I love, love you, Lucky. I love um, the things that you're trying to say with your your art, and I think it's just really fun uh, to watch. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. We are on the Lucky McKee train. And if you haven't seen May, you should watch it. So have you, if you, you check out his other films too, we've covered a couple oh, yeah. of his other films as well. We've covered For the fun. woman on here as well. Yes. And old man as well. So check those out. Check out Lucky's catalog um, of beautiful films. I highly recommend going back and, and checking those out and maybe doing and a Lucky like marathon or something. Let us know. For sure. Because that's the thing is like this, you know, I love that this film feels as indie as it feels. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's what makes it great that all of the characters don't have this you don't have these hollywood expectations of how no. the movie's going to end the Not movie could end in any because it starts so crazy it could end anywhere you like uh so i think that it's how great do you that survive it, it kind of, though <laughs> how do you survive this one yeah. um oof. sorry i don't mean to cut you off but i was like wait I'm, my brain was like wait but how do you survive may because i feel like she could sweep you in like you'd be like oh like let's hang out but she'd be eyeing you for like whatever body part she wants of yours. I mean, it depends. I think, I feel like anybody, she gives clear signals pretty quickly. I feel like with Adam, she bites him. Right. And I think like, and not like, Ooh, I'm trying to be sexy, but like an actual chomp. Right. Like that's right off the bat. No, I think the same with, uh, with Polly where she catches her cutting herself and you're like, eh, these are clear signs that she really is in distress, that there's really something going on. And I feel like if I met someone who was that open that quickly with me, with their, which like, I feel like, oh, you're like, I use a cry for help is what it feels like. Mm -hmm. So that, I think that that's part of what makes people want to help her, right? So you're like, oh, okay, well, I can help. Uh, so I don't, it's hard with that one, right? Because I feel like- you in you, because you'd want to help, right? You'd want to help. Right. You would. And I think this is, you know, similar to the cute boy killer, right? Where you have like, oh, there's something wrong with him, but like, how wrong is it really? And he's really cute and he really couldn't do anything, right? It's that same kind of feeling. So um, that's a hard one because I think to survive it, it entails you being cruel and it entails you being distrustful. Is that, you know, like, don't trust anybody is really kind of. I mean, and, and it's sad, but it's like, it's the ultimate horror. So movie survival got tip. If you don't trust anybody, then you have a better chance of survival. But then like, how's that? How are you living like that? That's not a life. How do you got friends. You got to trust somebody. You got to have somebody in your life. You got to have some people around you. Oh, how would, how would you think we should, you'd survive? That's, I was thinking it's hard. I don't know. I mean, it's like, uh, I would probably want to help her too. You know, I'd probably try to get her to like, you know, a doctor or like, you know, be like, Hey, have you thought about therapy? Like, it's dope. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I think that, you know, a lot of times it's these, these, how do you survive is really easy, right? If you have a werewolf or a vampire or something like it's very clear cut, but these ones where it's kind of nebulous. It's psychological, where, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's how you would react to a specific person. So it's hard, it's hard to say. Uh, but if somebody told me that uh, disgusting dog gut story while I was eating, that might, that might put me off a little bit. It's not. Yeah, I don't know. Like, oh, cool, cool, cool. I don't want to hear about your work situation then. I wouldn't want to hear about it. No, <laughs> I'd be good. Well, this is the this is an all around five ding ding ding. Yay! So we're very happy to to do that. So please tell us what you think about May. We are on all the internet things that you love to go on the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram. We do reply. We'd love to hear from you. We're also on Apple Podcasts and anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. So wherever you're listening to us, please do give us a rating. Uh, yeah. Let us know because that always helps. We love to have. We want more people. To to join the party that is Horror Movie Survival Guide. Yeah, absolutely. Ratings is a good way for people to help find us. Um, we do appreciate it. Um, you guys have a wonderful week. You can also catch us on um, our Patreon as well. We appreciate you and we appreciate the support for this independently produced show. You guys have a wonderful week and we'll talk with you real soon. Whoop, whoop. Yay. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide.